Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roney and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. I'm Shanique, and I have my co-host with me, Gina Warfel. Hi, Gina. Hey. You guys, we're going to be talking about something a little bit different today. We have no guests other than Gina and myself. And we thought that we could, um, I, I've been getting a lot of questions and a lot of comments about how well, and, and I put this in air quotes, like how well I've been doing uh, post Tristan's death. Tomorrow marks six months since Tristan died. And um, I know, isn't that wild? Half a year. How is it that my life has existed for almost half a year without him? I don't even, like, there's parts of me that are like, it has felt so fast, and yet it has felt like a small eternity at the same time. Time's an illusion. Time is weird. And I've had a lot of people ask, like, how are you doing? What are you doing? How are you healing so fast? How did you get into such a, a wonderful mindset with that. And I want to talk about what my, my journey has looked like consciously and subconsciously. And the reason why is because I, I want to take the gutsy mom person off the pedestal for a second. And I want to express to people what my healing journey around this trauma has looked like, what it actually looks like and what the work looks like and what integration looks like for me. Because I know there's a lot of you out there that are dealing with your own hardships and your own, and I know the word trauma is thrown around a lot. And so please forgive me, but, but I, I do want to call a spade a spade. All right. And I do want to say that last year was extremely traumatic for me and that those experiences that I had are literally ingrained in my body. And there are responses in my body. Like I'll give you guys an example. I have a symptom when, when my cortisol rises and I can feel exactly when my cortisol is going up and when it's going down, I literally shake my hands. I have like tremors all over my body. It's like this over-exaggeration. And so there's that. I will wake up in the morning and I'm extremely like, it's like I could literally go and run a marathon. There's no slow yawning or anything like my body is ready to go. And it's because it's in this heightened fight or flight response. And after Tristan died, I hardly slept. I had to, I actually went on medication to help me with my stress response. So I want people to understand that I like, I know my health and I know my body. And I know my limits. And so I want people to realize that, yes, even though I know all the things I know and I treated my body with healthy foods and supplements and all of these things, there were at times, there, there were sometimes moments where I was like, to get over this hump, I need some extra help, you know? And so I, I, want, I want to show people what something like that looks like, because maybe your journey looks like that too. And I want people to recognize that even though you might not have had someone die, even though you might not have lost someone, that your experience is just as important, that your emotional charge is just as hard on your body as mine has been. So let's call this energetic charge in my body, the thing that gets my body so amped up all the time, we call it fear. My body is, is wired to protect me from death, because that's what I've been looking at for five years, right? Death, 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 taking care of someone who was literally dying in front of my eyes. And that was really hard on my body. But my fear of death 
is just as important and creates the same chemical response in your body as your fear of being unloved or your fear of being unimportant or your fear of not being worthy of taking up space. They are just as detrimental on your body as what I went through. And a lot of people are like, well, how does that apply to me? Maybe we've done so many podcasts and Gina, feel free to like jump in if you need. We've done so many podcasts on like how we pick up these messages when we're young, when we're children, right? If anybody missed the, if anyone missed the podcast where we interviewed Britt Lefko, that was an amazing episode where we dove so deep into like how our perceptions, you know, as kids are formed that you might be like, oh, but I wasn't, I wasn't unsafe when I was a child. Like I had really loving parents. I had really good loving parents. But I think one of the examples that Britt gives is let's say one of those loving parents has to go to work and leaves you with the babysitter. And as a kid, your mind is like, oh my gosh, my caretaker is leaving me. I'm not safe. Mm -hmm. And so that triggers that, that fear, that lack of safety. And that, you know, that could be a really great, that episode of Brit was fantastic. It was really good. And here are some really great examples of these messages that we pick up as kids that are so false when we look at it from like an adult mind, but they just don't know how to interpret it. So the example I gave with that episode was when Tennyson Tennyson and I were talking about why did dad die? You know, and I gave, you know, his body was sick and blah, blah, blah. And then I asked, why do you think dad died? And he said, because he didn't love us. You know, and it's like, what? Where did that come from? I have no idea because I know, I know it's heart wrenching. But for some reason, he picked up that message somewhere along the way, you know, and even though I consider myself a very loving parent, a very doting parent, I'm definitely not perfect. But he took our circumstances and he he interpreted it as dad died and didn't come back because he didn't love us. And other messages he has picked up. And the only reason why I give him as an example is because he's so brilliant and he's so talkative and he's very open about his emotions. Like at school, they have these like these clipboards where if kids are well behaved, your clip goes up. And if you're talking, your clip goes down. And he plays the comparison game. And the message that he is telling himself is, I am lesser than my classmates whose clips go up. Therefore, I'm not important. I'm not smart. I'm not good. And I went and I spoke to the teachers about that. I'm like, are you guys using using good language to tell kids that this, this doesn't determine their value? Because my son's coming home and he's really upset that kids are having their clips take up, but he's just a talkative kid. Like my son, if you know, he just talks, he just has energy all the time. If you know human design, he's a manifesting generator. He just has these spurts of energy. So to tell my son to sit down and be quiet for hours and hours and hours, that's just not his personality, right? And unfortunately, we have these school systems that really like kids that are quiet and can sit down and listen, they thrive in these environments and kids that aren't like that naturally don't. And because he doesn't thrive in an environment like that naturally, he's getting messages subconsciously that I am not as good as them. I am not worthy of love. I am not this. They are smarter than me. They're better than me. They're more well-behaved than me. Therefore, I am a bad kid. And so my point to that is that was a big tangent. You might be listening to this podcast. And you might say, I don't have stories. I don't have stuff. But you're also sitting and you're sick. And you're saying, I don't know why I'm sick. I want you to pause for a second and maybe have a heart to heart. Because we can't see what we can't see. You know, does that make sense? Does that make sense when I say that, Gina? Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like you don't know what you don't know. You don't right? know what you don't know. You can't see what you can't see. 
because maybe you've grown up with a message that is so subconscious and to you it's truth today, but it's a truth that's making you ill, right? It's a truth that is putting your body in hyperdrive. It's a truth that is making you anxious. It is a belief system and a subconscious thought that is program that is wiring your brain, your nervous system to act in a way because th- your brain is the control center of your body. It's like the thermostat in your house. If you turn the thermostat to 72 degrees, the house turns to 72 degrees. If your brain is wired from a subconscious thought that I have to be hypervigilant to be loved and therefore you work your butt off every day and you hemorrhage your life force for people around you for love, but that is at the detriment of your own health. And so now you have stress hormones through the roof and your sex hormones are cattywampus because you don't know how to relax because you relaxing means you have no worth in your, in your world. And now you have a disease 20 years later. The, yeah. Do you see all the dots I can, that you I can have? Resonate with that one for sure. I, th- I think before I started really going into the, that kind of work, I saw myself as just motivated. I was like, oh, I'm just a really motivated person mm-hmm. and filling up my life with just never. And my biggest pet peeve was people who are lazy, like air quote, mm-hmm. lazy, mm-hmm. you know, and not realizing that that was coming from a trauma response of fear mm-hmm. of not being good enough. And so I filled up, filled up, filled up with all these things to do until my hormones were out of whack. My stress hormones were so high. My cortisol was high. You know, my body was in this chronic tension from going, going, going and not giving myself enough time and just seeing it as I'm just a really motivated person. Mm -hmm. I'm just a motivated. It was actually just breaking my health. Right. Well, and let's go from, I'm just a really motivated person to now that really motivated, already like worn out person popping out babies, right? And now you're a really motivated person that just grew a human being that sucked you dry. And now you're up all night. You don't sleep well. And so you are taking an already overstimulated, already worn out body and you're stressing it out even more by growing tiny parasites. Well, really large parasites that are the cutest parasites in the face of the planet cutest. And, and if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about babies. So you're growing this, this <laughs> wonderful, beautiful parasite that's sucking you dry. And now this parasite keeps you up all night. Oh my gosh, my kids are going to like listen back on my podcast and they're going to be like, mom, you think they're parasites? <laughs> and that's why my kids are in therapy, you guys. <laughs> um, no, that's not why they're in therapy. They're in therapy because their dad died. Um, but, but, you know, they're gonna like, we, so we're raising these beautiful parasites that wake up several times and they're, we're breastfeeding them. And then we're like, oh my gosh, I have an autoimmune disease. I am not the same since I had my third child. I am not this. I am not that. Right. Bodies so, are just screaming, screaming, mm-hmm. screaming. And so, and then we're like, oh, there's something wrong here. I have to take a, I need to take a painkiller for this headache or mm-hmm. for this. Like, mm-hmm. and then we're just like, oh, this is that body is bad. Yes. Yes. So do you see how we end up in our late twenties, early thirties and forties and we're sick. And it's because these neurons, these neural pathways that were given, you know, and scientists right now, they, they go back and forth. Is it the neurological response that triggers the thought or is it the thought that influences the neurological response in the brain, right? And they're going back and forth. My, my answer is it, it's probably both. Like the, we keep trying to find the right answer, but like, why can't it be both? Why can't our thoughts influence our neurological pathways and our neurological pathways influence our thoughts? It's kind of like what was first, the chicken or the egg? 
uh, it doesn't matter, but we do know how to like reprogram ourselves, right? Like we have tools and experts that help us with these things, but, but do you see how, well, then there's even down to the, the genetic level also, oh, God. if you've ever, if you've ever yes. uh, read or heard of the book, it didn't start, it didn't start with with you. I'm listening to that right now. And it is blowing my mind. It's blowing my mind. Yeah, you guys. So it was really interesting. One thing I thought was so interesting. I don't know if you've gotten to this part yet, but where they talk about the studies that they did with the mice, where yes. they, they did a study where they, they took the mice and they exposed them to like a really loud traumatic noise. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, they had them smell lavender mm-hmm. and they kept doing it again and again and again. And then they, those mice had babies and then they skipped that generation and those mice then had babies. So now we're like two generations generations down. down. Mm -hmm. And when they exposed the mice to just lavender, not the noise, the mice had this triggered response. Right. So it's so interesting how like you might be like, oh, I didn't even have a certain thought or a feeling or an Mm -hmm. experience. But maybe you smell something that your grandparents smelled that reminded them of something very traumatic. Like that could be down to a DNA level that we don't even understand. Right. It's it's actually if you guys want to go into the science and the genes that turn these like these things on and off these responses, you literally have genes. It's epigenetic, right? You have these genes that turn on these emotional responses and you you're now born predisposed to acting a certain way because your grandparents was a Holocaust survivor, right? And he talks about Holocaust survivors and mothers that were pregnant during um, 9-11. And he, he uses studies around that and how, uh, and how they have... Diff- so if you are of the lineage of a Holocaust survivor, your, your natural born tendency is to produce less cortisol and be, and be more like... I think it's like... I don't know the percentage, but like three times more predisposed to anxiety and depression than most people, Wow, you know? And so, right. And so there, there is potentially a genetic component. And again, it is epigenetic. So our environment and our practices can turn on and off these genes, but we do need to realize that some, and this is a very long about like, way of getting to, it's not only just nutrition. It's not just trying to get the perfect diet and get off all of the, the, you know, doing all the food sensitivity tests and da, 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 and getting into the nitty gritty. If I'm just more strict and if I'm just more this, and if I just cut up more stuff and I take more supplements, I'm going to get healthier. No, we have to go back to the control center, the brain. We have to see how is my brain wired to tell my body how to respond. Right. So I love this example that Carlin Call gives online. And I like to take it a few steps further. She says, if you have a building that's on fire, you want to use as many hoses as possible to get that fire out. And so those, you know, so if your body is on fire, there's inflammation and imbalance. You're going to use nutrition. You're going to use supplements. You're going to use stress management. You're going to use exercises. Right. And I like to take that a step further. Like, because for instance, if that fire, if the gasoline to that fire in the first place was your thoughts and your neurological pathway, because again, neurons that fire together, wire together. So if you had a trauma or if you had a belief system growing up that you had to be perfect and get straight A's and be, you know, like the best athlete. And now you have this hypervigilant nervous system to go, go, go and do, do, do and be perfect and show up in all the ways to be lovable. And that's wearing your body out. And if you're not perfect, you're unlovable and therefore useless. I'm using really harsh words and strong words. I'm sorry, guys. Interpret it as you need. 
But if you have that neurological pathway of hypervigilance sending out this chemical cascade, that is the gasoline, right? So we might be putting 10 hoses on this burning building, but we're still throwing gasoline on the building, right? So are we really going to get rid of all the flames or are we just going to keep going back and forth and back and forth and be stuck on the medical merry-go-round, which is now your holistic medical merry-go-round, but you're just using supplements instead of medications, right? So the brain is like the gasoline. It's the control center. And so if your brain is constantly telling your body to be in an inflamed state, are we really going to get the flames gone? Right? So we have to have that heart to heart and be like, okay, what was it that you said, Gina? You can't, you don't know what you don't know and you can't see what you can't Mm -hmm. see. So maybe there's something there. I want to give a good example. Go ahead, Gina. You were going to say something. And I was going to ask about, you know, your, your path with, with you and Tristan, but go ahead. If, if there's, I will. dive into what your example, I'll, I'll go into that, but I had this great yeah. case today, this week, sorry. And, um, a lot of my clients, when, when I, I sit down with them and I say, Hey, I want to hear your health history. I want it from the horse's mouth. And I do that because I want to hear people's language. How do you talk about your health? How do you talk about your health history? What are the words, the key words that you are using to describe your journey? It's really important to me that I hear it like that um, because I can tell a lot from what someone has been through, through the language that they use. And a lot of the time I will recommend ketamine therapy to help with certain traumas, to help with certain, you know, because again, in the order, in my order of healing mindset is number one, we have to set up the mind right, you know? And so if your brain is wired for trauma and inflammation, we're not really going to get rid of the inflammation. The control center is going to keep telling your body to be in in, in a hypervigilant inflamed state in a fight or flight state versus rest and digest, Right. And so I told one of my clients to go to ketamine therapy, do these protocols, do these foods, et cetera, et cetera. She told her friend, but she told her friend, no, this lady wants you to do ketamine therapy before doing blood work. So do it first. So I'm glad she said that because this was a beautiful experiment. So this client does ketamine therapy three months later, does blood work. And I'm sitting down with her and she's telling me all of these health things. She's been to see this other practitioner. All of her labs were terrible you know, and this was like three months prior to us sitting down and I'm looking at her labs and I'm like, girlfriend, your labs are impeccable. They are gorgeous. I, and I spoke and I talked to her with the ketamine, about the ketamine. And I said, what was your mental state like before doing the ketamine? And she said, I was about to kill myself. And I said, how is it now? And she's like, I am in a much better place. Ketamine saved my life. She says, there's still stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad you did the sex sessions of ketamine. Your labs look incredible. And that's because ketamine literally revamped your brain. It took it from an inflamed state and rewired it. And again, she still has work to do, but I was floored. I've never seen labs of someone post ketamine yet. And I hope I see a lot more because I'm really excited to see more like this. Her, her immune system's still a little bit cattywampus, but like her thyroid markers were beautiful. Her inflammatory markers, gorgeous. And I, I was like, I want labs like this. Like if my blood work came back like this, I would be jumping for joy. And so that is the power. And again, so ketamine therapy isn't the cure all, right? It is a very powerful tool that helps you rewire your brain, but you need to use it and integrate it with other at-home practices like meditation, 
and like maybe yoga and like, you know, breathing exercises. I mean, Gina, you taught. I think that's the, the, I think that's also the challenge as well is that, you know, because things like different, you know, integrative therapies and, you know, using ketamine and even some people are exploring psychedelics and things like that. I think that the the challenge there is that people dive into it, but they don't have a good integration or a no. good support system to really right. understand it. Right. And so I think that that is such an important piece to like, as you're exploring your own trauma or your own relationship to yourself and, you know, approaching these therapies, making sure that you have somebody who is in your corner who can Mm -hmm. really help you with the with integrating all of it and understanding like what does it mean to you so that you don't end up throwing yourself into your own pit of your own trauma right and not understanding how to like really integrate like what does it mean in a really healthy way there are a lot of clinics that are integrating therapy with their ketamine sessions right and so if you are someone that has a lot to unpack or you're someone that's like, I'm fine. <laughs> and you end up doing ketamine and then you realize, oh my gosh, I'm actually not fine. I was that person. All right. And I, I will share my story with you. But I was that person where I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Like there's nothing to see here, folks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so let me give you my, my history a, a little bit, but let me finish up with the ketamine thing. Just again, just be, keep an open mind. And, and uh, again, ketamine is just one part of the holistic, conscious healing your mind realm. All right. Okay. So, so I was that person that was fine. There's nothing to see here. I am totally fine. I, you know, I, I had my son, my first baby and I got Graves disease and I healed it. See, I'm fine. Do, do, do. I can do the things I can do the dance. Right. And then Tristan got diagnosed with cancer and it's like everything fell apart. And I'm pretty sure like I would be dead if it wasn't for certain things that I did. But it, it still wrecked me. And I told you guys, I, I have this like shaking tremor every time my cortisol goes up. Now, there is a story. And again, it's just a story. There's a story in my head that's like, you know, if I went to a doctor and got testing, they would probably find brain damage from all the stress and all the trauma in my brain. But that's just a story, right? Because I know with all my own research that if I can go back and heal that trauma and heal the neurological pathways, like my body will eventually be able to reverse whatever inflammatory damage has been done to my nervous system. But my body has been hypervigilant for so long because it was trying to protect me. And so I have to realize that was a loving thing. Anyways, that was a little bit of a tangent. But I realized years ago that I had actually had trauma from a very young age. And so this hypervigilance, this fear, there's a lot of fear in me, right? This, I've actually never felt safe. And that's because I grew up in a third world country where you have a higher chance of being raped than getting in a car accident. And so I remember as like a four-year-old, you know, we had panic buttons around our house and security cameras and uh, two Rottweilers outside and then two indoor yappers, you know, to alert us that if someone is breaking into our house, dogs are going to be barking, an alarm is going to go off. And if you hear someone in the house, this is where you hide. You know, you have to hide somewhere and don't come out for anything. If you hear us, if you hear things, like just stay South here. Africa, right? Yeah, this is in South Africa. Like this is where you stay you know, and you don't come out. And as a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a 13-year-old, I'm like, that's fine. Everything's fine. This is just how you live life. And I remember, (laughs) I remember, and and again, 
I, these memories are all coming back because I'm doing my own healing right now, right? I'm, I'm realizing my nervous system is shot because it's been so hypervigilant since I was like four. And I remember being terrified to sleep every night, just laying in my bed, listening for all the sounds. And when we immigrated to the United States, I remember laying in a bed and feeling like I could finally sleep. And I remember having like the best sleep of my life. Like the first time we had immigrated to, we, we were in Orlando staying with friends and it was like, whew, my body could like decompress. However, going back to that saying neurons that fire together, wire together, the wiring was already there. And so I became this hypervigilant, hyper anxious person. Even before Tristan was diagnosed with cancer, my sister-in-law told me that it was really hard to be around me when I was a mother because I was so anxious all the time. He would get a little bonk and I would lose my mind. Like he just as so much as cried a little and I lost it. Right. I was just like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? What can I do? You know, like it, like there was just this hypervigilance and this anxiety and I couldn't allow people to do nice things for me. It's like, Hey, can I make you a sandwich? No, but I can make you a sandwich. Can I make you a sandwich? And so I was this hypervigilant, highly anxious people pleaser. We have a, Gina and I, we have this, uh, this, this mutual friend, Elia, Elia and Sona. If you go to Elia and say, Elia, what was unique like 10 years ago? Um, he would be like, oh my gosh, girlfriend couldn't even relax. And it's true. <laughs> and it's true. And I'm grateful for that because it made me successful. You know, I built a business back then. I put my husband through school, you know, like, and what was the cost? It was my body. My body took like my body was breaking and it, but I didn't care because look, I'm putting my husband through school, da, 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 da. And then, and then cancer hit. Right. And then it just got worse. And then it got worse. And then this last year happened. And if I've shown pictures online of me right after Tristan and I look skinny and I look sickly and now as I'm healing, I'm putting on weight again. I, I, my, my peri, even my hormones went from normal regulation to, I was having like two to three week periods. You know what I mean? Like it was just Mm -hmm. all over the place. And when Tristan died, I stopped sleeping, you know? And so, so now I'm at this place where I am healing. My sleeping is getting better. I'm putting on weight, but I'm recognizing that as soon as I stress, I shake. And as soon as something else happens, I get into this hypervigilant response where I'm panicky and I'm this and I'm that. And I'm at this point where it's like, it's time to heal the neurology of my emotional state. And it's time Mm -hmm. to change the emotional state to influence the neurology of my brain. Now, again, I'm wondering, go ahead. As, you're, as you're talking about how you are in the midst, like you are in the middle of understanding what is in your body and your trauma and in healing that. I'm wondering if you'll end up, you know, in, in like a healing experience doing more shaking. You know, people talk about how mm-hmm. shaking can be a really impactful way right. of like actually releasing like what's in the nervous system. Right. And, you know, I wonder if like we're just in a society where we're like, keep it together, you know, stop shaking, keep mm-hmm. it together, you know, keep your composure, right. tighten up, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like, even with crying, how many people don't like men don't cry? You know what I mean? These are all emotional releases. I asked Gutsy members this the other day, but how many of us 
wake up slowly and yawn and stretch. Do, do you still yawn and stretch, Gina? Well, you know, it's so funny that you just said that because I just was talking with my boyfriend this morning about how I used to wake up every day at 5 a.m. and jump out of bed without an alarm mm-hmm. because I had yeah. so yes. much anxiety. My body woke up like with my heart racing mm-hmm. and like, okay, let's go. And I saw it as, oh, my body is just on a natural rhythm. Like it knows exactly when to wake up. Mm -hmm. I don't even need an alarm clock. But really, I had so much anxiety. Now, I mean, I've spent years working through like my anxiety and my nervous system and, you know, my my issues around Mm -hmm. finding my value and doing. And now that I've worked through that, I can actually sleep in. It's the weirdest thing where my whole life I could never sleep in because I was so anxious. This episode is sponsored by Cozy Earth, a premium bamboo bedding and loungewear company. You guys, if you want to get 40% off the best sheets of your life, listen up. I am hooked on Cozy Earth bamboo sheets. I never knew how much better my sleep would get because of their temperature and moisture regulation. Not only that, but they are antibacterial, insanely soft, and one of my favorite things besides being certified free of harsh chemicals and dyes is that they are a company that practices ethical production, which is a huge bonus for me. So if you're ready to try these sheets and get better sleep, go to CozyEarth.com and use this incredible 40% off discount code GUTSY. How wild is that, that our body, like we, you are, you literally create a neural pathway to be like, this is when I need to wake up because if I don't, it's going to be detrimental to my life, to my purpose, to my value. Right. And how many of us, you know, like, and again, going back to, do we wake up and stretch and yawn? Because that is, that is a parasympathetic response. We're supposed to do that. So many of us have stopped. And when we are yawning, do we shake? Because um, someone was telling me when you go into that deep, deep yawn and your whole body shakes and it's like, that is a parasympathetic response. I hardly ever yawn. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Unless I'm in therapy and I'm processing something and I'm sad or I'm crying and then I do a yawn because that's an emotional release. Like, but these are all just releases, right? Is that stretching and that yawning a sign and symptom that we didn't get enough REM sleep? Because when we are in deep sleep, and that's another thing I want to talk about too. When we're in a deep sleep, we are actually processing emotions and we're processing the day. And how many of us have sleep issues? How many of you are not dreaming? You know what I mean? Like if you are not dreaming, your body is not relaxed enough to go into that deep REM to do some serious healing. So ask yourself, Mm -hmm. these are signs and symptoms that your body has been dysregulated. And then ask yourself, when did I stop dreaming? And I'll tell you something. I stopped dreaming three years ago. I, I would get like two or three dreams. I have started dreaming every single night starting this week, every single night. Wow. And I'm remembering them. And wow. I'm like, and I'm like, yes, I've leveled up. I am healing. I'm like, this is crazy. I feel like a new person. And, and it's just, you know, but when we recognize the signs and the symptoms, it's like, okay, all is not well. If you're not sleeping, yeah. if you're not getting dreams, if you're not yawning, like, like these are symptoms, like your body is in a hyper like hyper vigilant state and that hyper vigilance that we call normal that we call the american dream is destroying your body it is destroying your hormones and in turn that's destroying your quality of life 
and your ability to, I don't know, like live your best life and have energy and be present with your kids. If you have brain fog, if you have brain fog, you guys, that is a sign and a symptom that your body and your brain have been burnt out. And it didn't start a year ago. It has been probably for years and years and years because your brain wasn't meant to be in such a hypervision state. It's kind of like adrenal burnout. If you guys understand adrenal burnout, when you're like, oh, maybe I'm going to get too technical. No, we won't go into that. But if you have brain fog, <laughs> your, your brain has been overworking and overwiring itself for hypervigilance for way too long. So you got to get out of that sympathetic dominance that fight or flight mode into rest and digest that parasympathetic state. What were you going to say, Gina? Yeah. Um, so I was kind of wondering, like when, you know, you and Tristan, when you were early on in this, you guys went like full head on into like health and how do we find like, what is the science cure for this cancer? Like what was the tipping point that created awareness that there, that there's more than just nutrition and science and, and real and being open to the idea that Mm -hmm. maybe his cancer could be related to trauma or what you're going through could be related to trauma or your emotions or what's stored in your body or your mind. Like, where was that bridge that you, you guys started to see things a little differently? Um, that bridge was around August of 2020 for me when I realized like, like he is mentally not well. And the, the worse his mental state was, the faster his symptoms came on. And, and I realized like there is deep, tra- and I, like, again, I just didn't know but like, I, I was actually kicking myself the, yesterday thinking about this. Again, I shouldn't ruminate in the past, but you know, occasionally it happens. But like he refused to get tested for over two years. That should have been a red flag of like, dude has trauma and needs a lot of mental help, right? Because you're supposed to get tested every three to six months and he wouldn't talk to a doctor he wouldn't get scans. He wouldn't like, even though his last scan looked phenomenal, he wouldn't go back. And that is a fear. That is a deep fear response, right? Like you have a high, high, high risk for your cancer coming back, get tested, right? Like stay hyper. And he, he froze. He literally froze looking back hindsight, right? But, and, and I had my own trauma because I froze too, you know? And, but, but again, like he should have gotten, I wish I knew about ketamine therapy and all of these, like, oh man, I wish about, I knew about ayahuasca back in like five years ago and all that and been like, dude, we're doing all this. But the emotional game is way more important than the physical one. Way, way more. And so, yeah, like, and it was interesting because you could see it. Like, I, I remember he was in such a bad, bad emotional state in September that I was like, he's not going to live to his birthday. He's not like he, he like his hair was falling out. He, he was withdrawn. Like, I was just like lights around no one's home. Right. He was he was so far gone mentally and emotionally. But then. Uh, we talk about in one of our past podcasts, how we end up at this like healing retreat with some, you know, he had tried ayahuasca, but then there was this other one that used Kana and his heart opened and he did a lot of healing and, and he came back, he bounced back. Right. And it was beautiful. And he did so much emotional healing 
over the next like nine, eight months. That was beautiful and life changing. Right. But I was like, man, I wish I'd known this earlier. I'd wish I'd known about these things. And you guys, maybe you've heard past episodes. We, we interviewed oh, Dr. Sapiro and Michael Sapiro. Michael Sapiro and other things are coming to the forefront. You know, they're in third phase human trials with MDMA that is like curing depression in like two to four sessions and, and anxiety. Wow. And, and it's curing it to like 66% or 86% ridiculously high things. Like there are these beautiful therapies coming to mind to light that are going to be legalized, I think, next year. Psilocybin is another one of those that is really close to being legalized so doctors can use it in clinical settings. They're, doing, they're utilizing psilocybin in a lot of cancer studies right now, you know, and they're seeing these phenomenal results. But we need to realize that if we don't have our mental game, you know, as our foundation, as the baseline, the rest, we're just going to get stuck in this cycle over and over and over again. You know, I love your course, Conquering Cravings, Gina, because you talk about this. A lot of listeners are like, I just, I, I just don't know how to cut out sugar. And I just don't know, like, right. I just don't have enough willpower. And, and, I, and I hate myself because I, I start something and then two weeks in, I'm eating chocolate cake again. And it has nothing to do with willpower, you guys. It has everything to do with how your brain is wired. If you are in a stress response, your, your chemical, your biochemistry is going to tell your taste buds to go for carbs because it wants a quick fix, one, to nurture you and two, to give you the energy to deal with the cortisol spikes that you have because you're in a stress response. How does willpower override biology? It doesn't. So stop self-flagellating. <laughs> like it doesn't. You have to heal yeah, the stress response. Finding those clues, like kind of like we were saying, like you don't know what you don't know. Yes. So it's really hard to know what it is that you're up against right. until you really actually get help. But I like looking as any of those challenges that you're having in your life, mm-hmm. maybe looking at those as like your little breadcrumbs. Like yes. do you have food cravings that you can't control and you're seeking pleasure? Well, there's probably a discomfort in your body that you're not wanting to experience or you know, I remember um, Britt Lufko saying that people are so hard on themselves if they're if they're a procrastinator, mm-hmm. they don't finish things, they don't or they have an idea, but they don't start things. Yes. And that can be a breadcrumb as to you are fearing that you don't have the confidence in yourself. And if you don't do it well, then, you know, there will be consequences. And so mm-hmm. people procrastinate because they're afraid of letting themselves down or they won't do good enough. And and it's a part of this internal healing that can really happen. So looking for any, any opportunity in your life to really look at that as a breadcrumb that if you are struggling in anything Mm -hmm. in your fear inside of your relationship or your relationship to your food or your relationship to your body or your relationship to your work, like it's all little breadcrumbs of where you can actually get help. Exactly. I posted this quote on Instagram earlier this week, because it is so true. A lot of people are like, I just, I just can't do it. Like I start something and I stop it. And this, this quote says, may we lay to rest the myth of lazy and honor the reality of our biology. The reality of your biology is you're exhausted. You've been in fight or flight for years. Right. And so people that are like, I start things, but I don't finish. It's probably because you're just tired. And if your child was tired, what would you tell them to do? Sit down and do three hours of homework? No, you'd say, go take a nap. 
because you've, you've done sports yeah. today and six hours of schoolwork. Go and rest. And look at what we tend to start. Like, look at what we tend to, we tend to start where we're like, January 1st, I'm starting all the exercises, all of the meal prepping, all like Mm -hmm. we set all of these goals. I'm up at 6 a.m. and we like hit the ground running and we expect ourselves to sustain life in that high drive, you know, throttle down energy. Yeah, exactly. So I love that you brought up that like, what are the signs? Because you don't know what you don't know. Signs, are you sleeping well? If you have sleep disturbances, you have an overstimulated nervous system. You're in fight or flight all the time. And that being in that state is disrupting your digestion, your absorption, your cortisol levels, your sex hormones, the way you detoxify, you are going to be ill. I think Dr. Jolene Brighton said 90% of hormonal issues and health issues could be resolved with good sleep and nutrition. And she said 90%, right? And so if you are having sleep disturbances, chances are you're in a heightened state, which is going to turn into an inflammatory state. So we got to... I would say gut issues too. If you have gut issues, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'm so glad you said, if you have any... Your nervous system is so directly connected to your your gut Mm -hmm. and, you know, thinking of how many people have bloating and constipation. If you're constipated, ask yourself, what are you holding on to? Yep. I started developing IBS towards the end of Tristan's cancer journey. Like IBS guys, I am the gutsy mom. I'm supposed to know all the things about digestion. And I was eating like a champ. And, and I remember <laughs> the day, the day it started was one of the worst, most traumatic days of like the whole journey. Right. Wow. And I didn't sleep that night. I did. I stayed up all night and I could feel the burning start because my nervous system was so hyperactivated. And because I'm gutsy mom and I know everything about digestion, it was one of those like, oh shit, here comes the IBS. It was like one of those things like, yep, I've arrived. I'm there. You know, what's interesting. (laughs) I I honestly feel like whatever you want to call it, universe, whatever. I I really, truly feel like anytime I'm wanting to become an expert at something, I literally end up with that. (laughs) Like I remember being like, you know, I need to understand how hormones work in Mm -hmm. our body better. And before I know it, I end up like with hormone issues. I'm like, (laughs) it's almost like I'm creating this, but I swear I'm not. It's almost Uh, like if you really want to master it, the the mastery is understanding it for yourself and fighting it yourself. Then just embody it. Why not? Right. So you, so if you have any kind of digestive issues, there's probably stress. There's stress there, you guys. If you find that you become hyper reactive in a relationship with something, like let's say someone said something, they looked at you sideways, right? And, and, and it was just at the wrong time. And maybe they said something or it was a text that came through and you find you're hyper reactive all of a sudden. You went from zero to 102 seconds. You might be in a heightened stress response. All right. There is an emotional undercurrent there that hasn't been healed that needs to be looked at. What are some other symptoms, Gina? I mean, those are like the big ones, sleep, digestion. And I think even like one thing that I would ask myself is this question kept coming up of like, I don't know what is wrong with me, but there was Mm -hmm. just kind of like this internal discomfort or like Mm -hmm. an internal charge. And so it might show up as health issues. It might show up as migraines or bloating mm-hmm. or, you know, back tension. If your nervous system is always stimulated, your muscles are going to be always contracted right. or jaw issues, right? Jaw tightness and clenching and 
um, hormone issues. So I think it shows up a lot in our physical body mm-hmm. or like the emotions that you're talking about, like being really reactive towards other people or right. some people, you know, I think one thing I hear a lot is especially women who take on a lot. They're like, but my life is great. I shouldn't, you know, quote unquote, shouldn't be feeling this way. Mm -hmm. I feel anxious or I feel depressed or I feel melancholy or I feel overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and I shouldn't because, you know, my husband loves me and I have great kids and we have a really great life. And so I shouldn't feel this way. And so sometimes there's just a lot that we've suppressed that is stored deep into our bodies and society makes us feel like you should be happy because you have the American dream, right? You have right. like the family and the dog in the house. Right. And I think that those can all be clues if there's confusion and you're not trusting your own feelings that like maybe there's just things you don't know yet that haven't, you have given yourself permission to feel I and love understand. That. I love that you haven't given yourself permission to feel and understand. And maybe like deep diving that is going to bring up a can of worms that you are too scared to look at. But if this year is going to be your year of healing, it's time to, I don't know, dig up those things, like stir things up and see what floats to the surface because it's been at the bottom for a very, very long time. And I think that's, that's, that's it. (laughs) I think what else do we want to incorporate in this podcast that we want listeners to to really know know, and understand? I I think that if, if things like diving into your trauma feels really scary or intimidating or too much, there's so much learning you can do to start exploring and understand. Like there's some really great books. Like we talked about, it didn't start with Mm -hmm. you. There's also things like the completion process by Teal Swan and what's that about process by The completion process is about how we have these traumas, you know, that we store in our bodies when we're younger Mm -hmm. and it gets stored in our cells. And then, you know, it comes out and we react Mm -hmm. to other people now in our day to day. And we don't really see that it's this inner child that is like screaming for what this inner child really needs. Mm -hmm. So she kind of walks you through the process of meeting your inner child and maybe giving them what they need and different levels of approaching healing trauma, depending on how ready you are to go into it. So it's kind of a really cool tool like if you're interested in learning about what are some things that could have happened and been stored in your body when you're younger and actually going through some guided you know meditations or experiences to start connecting like with your inner Mm -hmm. child and those experiences there's um books that i have loved reading so far is uh, feelings buried alive never die and the whole brain living is phenomenal it's about a doctor she did a ted talk whole brain living is written by jill dr jill taylor she does a ted talk about when she had a a brain hemorrhage in her left brain and how she viewed the world and she became like one with the universe and whatnot. And she talks about how different parts of the brain have different functions. And when her left brain silenced itself, the left brain is the ego. It's the me, it's the I, it's the linear, it's the time, it's the self-importance, you know, and right brain is creativity and oneness and energy and expansion and like connection and presence. There is no time. Time is an illusion, right? So when she became completely right brain, she talks about what her experience was like. And then this book, Whole Brain Living, talks about the four different personality types that roam within you because of your different, because of the different parts of your brain. And she tells you to like name each of them, right? Uh, left brain one, left brain two, right brain one, right brain two. They, they each have a different kind of personality. 
And so, so it's interesting because she talks about integrating those two, right? So the fearful Janique right now, the one that is hypervigilant and is constantly looking for bad things in life to protect herself, that I'm very, very left brained right now, right? My ego is screaming because it's trying to protect itself and self-preserve itself, right? Because I was looking down the barrel of death for five years and the ego can't die, right? And so she talks about understanding these parts of our brains and then integrating them. So now I get to like understand right brain Janique and when she's present and when she's this and when she's that and how to exercise and be in her more. And that when left brain Janique is out, like, how do you talk to her? How does right brain talk to her? How do we integrate and become friends? And how do we level up so that left brain isn't always activated all the time? You know, because again, it's, it's activation. It's so cool. Like we get activated, right? So either we're activated and we go into a trauma response, or it's just that underlying program that is constantly in the background all the time running, running the show, but it's, it's not a healthy show. Another book that uh, I don't know if I should mention this one, but it, it really helped me see this was the book that showed to me my activation was called Attached. And it talks about attachment theory. And when I read attached, um, it talks about the three attachment types, secure, anxious, attached, and anxious, avoidant. And I'm anxious, attached. And it talks about when we are anxious, attached, you have this hypervigilance in life and you're you're hyper-focused and you're hyper this and you're hyper that. And I was like, oh, I've never really recognized myself as that. And then I saw that in myself and it helped me realize, oh, there's stuff there for sure. And so maybe that's one that resonates to some people and you can say, oh, I'm, I'm anxious attached or I'm anxious avoidant and there's something there that I need to heal, you know? And so like, because that's just how my wiring is. It was the first time I realized my wiring is to always look for worst case scenario and create safety. And I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to live in the present moment. I don't want to look for like things that are scary because when you look for things, you find them. Right. So um, any other books that you would recommend for people to start with as far as. Um, I also love the presence process. Mm -hmm. Um, Presence process was one of the first ones that really like, I, I really, it really resonated with me because I was always the kind of person who I was like, I can't meditate. Mm -hmm. Yes. I I was that person. I was that person too. I, I can't meditate. I don't. Yeah, I don't have the attention span. I don't have time for this. I get too anxious. My mind wanders, da, da, da. And they explain in that book how when we store emotions, it gets stored as a charge in our body. And then when we sit to meditate, it starts to surface. And we get so uncomfortable with it that we find every reason to get up and leave and call ourselves bad meditators. Mm-hmm. Where if we can be with it, and it was the first time I understand how to understood how to be with it and like actually integrate it and heal wow. a lot of things actually through meditation. Wow. Yeah. If you're so, and that's another trigger. Like if you're like, I can't meditate, I can't do affirmations. I can't like, if trying to find peace is actually painful for you, it's probably a sign that you're in hypervigilance. You're in sympathetic dominance. There's something there that needs so to heal. I was so uncomfortable with just sitting with myself and God, being in quiet. Yes. That I was like, I hate people who are lazy. I called it lazy. And I was like, I can't stand people who are lazy because the thought of like being with myself was so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. I remember Tristan invited me to like sit down and meditate with him. And I almost in my brain was like, how dare you? 
ask me to sit down when I have a million things I need to do? Do you not see how busy I am? And that was obviously the story I'd created in my, in my mind because my wiring was geared to run from things and run towards things because that was my only value, right? Yeah, and so, right. um, and because someone was dying. So it's like, I got to do something to save them. You know, so if sitting down just was so offensive. So yeah, if you're one of those people that hates meditating, that can't do affirmations, I can't like do deep breathing because it's just, you're, you're like, oh, I, I'm 30 seconds in and I can't, like it's all the people are right. It's a sign that you actually need to do it, right? It's a sign that there are things that need to be healed there. So maybe it's time to deep dive and have that heart to heart and be like, maybe I'm sick and food isn't going to fix me. And I, I'm sick. And I know that food's not going to fix me. And a, like a, a food sensitivity test isn't going to fix me. And this isn't going to fix me because I actually have to get to the root. And the root is yeah. that I picked up belief systems that created a neurological pathway in my brain that has set me up for failure. And once we can recognize that, we can reverse it. But that's going to take some really hard conversations with yourself, with, with your shadow self. I love this term that everyone keeps throwing around, shadow self. This is the shadow self. So are you ready to do some shadow work, guys? <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's it. And we'll keep you updated on ours. <laughs> on ours. I'm doing my shadow work right now. And it is phenomenal. And it's like, wow. Like, you guys. I feel like a crazy person. I'm like, oh my gosh, as I'm doing the shadow work, I'm like, wow, there's crazy Janique. And my friend Jaylen, who, who's becoming a nurse practitioner and is going to be using ketamine therapy, she's like, maybe we can be really gentle and recognize that it's not crazy Janique. It's the Janique that's kept you safe and protected for all these years. You know? <laughs> and I love how she says it that way. And I'm like, nope, she's still insane. She's still insane. She's still in her child right now. Like crazy Janique just turned five years old right now and she's throwing a tantrum. And Jalen's like, no, you just need to hold space with her and like show her kindness and like really mother. I was gonna say crazy Janique, really mother her because she's activated. And I so so you guys. We'll keep you posted on our own shadow work we're doing. We want to hear about your shadow work you're doing. Like, hit me up in DMs. Let me know how it's going. Tell me the books you guys are reading. Yeah. Post them in the comments, even. Like, post in the comments, like, in, on the podcast. Like, you listen to this and you recommend this book because blah, blah, blah. I want to know what I you guys are doing. I would love to hear if this podcast lands with anyone. Like, if yeah. anyone out there is, is having some light bulb moments or if this is kind of a breadcrumb for you that's leading you on your journey. I would love to hear about that. Me too. Me too. So, and we should bring Britt Lefko on it to, to, to talk about it. What? Maybe it's only us on this journey. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we won't even publish this. Who knows? No. One thing I do <laughs> want to announce, you guys, because this work has been so important for me, Gina and I have been like racking our brains, right? Because in the Gutsy Health mm -hmm. membership, like we see this, like we see people start the work and they stop it. They have these mental blocks, right? And then they use language, which we recognize. And so we had this meeting. Britt Lefko actually approached us. It was phenomenal. And she was like, there's something I want to do here. And I said, we need your help. 
And so we're literally bringing on Britt Lefko to be the mindset coach in the Gutsy Health membership because this block is so real and it is so important to heal this, this mindset mental gymnastic issue to get into your groove and to your flow of your healing journey because yeah, we've been so dedicated to to really, really wanting to make sure people are actually getting outcomes. Yes. Not only are you just getting the science, but it is really making an impact. And people are like, yes, the information is amazing. And I'm a little bit stuck with my own mind. So yes. we're like, great. Like Brit is going to be the ninja that's going to help people actually break through their own mind limitations yes. and then implement all the good stuff. Like we're so excited. So, so starting probably in February and then onward, like, she's going to come on the zoom calls once a week and members are going to come and talk about their mind blocks. Like, like what is happening? And Oh my gosh, I can't wait to listen to those and hear how Brit is going to unravel them. I was literally, I was talking with my friend Raj who Gina's dating actually. And, (laughs) and, and I was talking about a belief system that I had. And he's like, that sounds like a really toxic belief system. I know someone who helps people break belief systems. And I'm like, who's that? And he looked at me like I was the, like the dumbest person. He's like, it's Brit Lefko. And I was like, oh, yes. She's like, she's the mindset ninja, Janique. Why aren't you talking to Brit? And I'm like, oh, my God, I need to talk to Brit. And literally three days li- later, Brit's like, I want to help up in the membership. And I was like, yes, we're going to have the mindset ninja help us break up all these negative belief systems that we have the ninja the The ultimate Mm -hmm. ninja you guys so some fun things coming in the membership and oh my gosh i can't wait for those zoom calls so members if you're listening to this look forward to that join the zoom calls wednesday at 6 p.m mountain standard and for, for everyone else, if you want more information on the Gutsy Health membership, if you want to learn how to become your own healing expert, your own healing champion, because it can be done. And if you want more info, go to mygutsyhealth.com. I almost forgot my own website, guys. Mygutsyhealth.com, <laughs> read about it. But, but you guys, we're also revamping it too. And I don't know if we want to like spill the beans on that anytime soon. We will later. But um, it's going to be so fun. We can't wait to relaunch our new membership, probably in May sometime. But um, it's going to be really fun. And like I said, Brit is going to be a huge part of it. And it's going to be phenomenal. And I can't wait to see people turn into super healing humans. And that's it. Okay. Until next time. (laughs) Take care, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Health podcast.